0: kind of hard to cool down because my story has to do with fire because I got a sure way
1: to beat the heat you mean there is a ghost and it's not just a ghost story we just found him one day out in the woodshed all curled up like he was trying to keep warm
0: fire will do anything to survive and grow of course it's our job to stop it the spirit of the fire remains the fire ghost Welcome to Splat Attack, a 90s podcast honoring the slime-filled past. I'm your hot-headed fire, fire extinguisher, Alex.
2: And I'm your frigid little boy guest co-host, Cortland. With the weather being so cold lately, what are you going to do to get through the winter
0: today? Well, other than bundling up with a nice warm coat or having some freshly boiled hot chocolate, because I
1: hate <laughs> the cold,
0: I feel like the Midnight Society can lend a hand in helping us cool down quick.
2: Ah, so you mean we're doing another Are You Afraid of the Dark episode battle this season?
0: Of uh, course, well, right, you are! <laughs> we, we've we always had so much fun. We actually did a three vampire tales uh, episode on Halloween for our Patreon and we felt that it, it need to give it another whirl uh, but this time instead of doing a three way battle it's a classic war raging between the elements of fire and ice so depending on your temperature preference <clears throat> fire things are going to get hot in here before we all chill out
2: all right, well, before we suit up for war, let's bring our guest judge from the cold, shall we? Ah,
0: I, I guess so. Uh, he he needs a little bit longer to thaw out near the Midnight Society campfire so he could be energized enough to join us. So let's get him here by the campfire, warm himself up, and here, have a seat on the stone throne. Welcome, Bryce. How are you doing today?
1: You know what? Tomorrow is Friday, so I'm pr- doing pretty good. <laughs> um i'm just excited to talk about are you afraid of the dark and hear about these two episodes
0: and i'm excited i'm just excited to have you both here to be perfectly honest uh Cortland has been just a pioneer for us and and he's been a huge supporter of our podcast ever since we got started and um his show is absolutely fantastic and is a great great guy and when brett had to step down gorland was one of the few people who stepped up and said if you ever need any help let me know and it really means a lot to me that you took took that step forward i mean i would have hollowed at you anyway to do an are you afraid of the dark anything because it almost feels blasphemous to have are you are you afraid of the dark and have you not be involved somehow because we've (laughs) done so much but uh then the the individual that we had to be a part of this episode uh had to step down uh he was not not brett but our our guest judge he had messaged me shortly before christmas uh i don't want to say who because that's that's not really uh important but he's had a pretty major life hurdle and had to step down it really was upset by it uh if you're listening you know who you are and love you thank you so much for all your support but uh, then at, at, at that point, I was going, man, who are we going to get to guest judge? I know some people, but I'm, I'm less into the Are You Afraid of the Dark circle uh, of of fans and creators and things like that, far less than Cortland is. So I, I passed the buck to Cortland and said, do you know anybody who would be a good fit for this? And lo and behold, we have Bryce here joining us. And I'm very excited to have you both here. Uh, thank you, Cortland, for guest co-hosting and thank you bryce for joining to be our guest judge for this episode
2: my pleasure yeah i'm happy to help out i'm we've been in a uh tales from the crypt space so it is very refreshing to come back to kind of what our roots were and uh, i'm really glad that i can spend some time with you and bryce because we're gonna have fun (laughs)
0: Yeah. but uh before we really get into the episode and and discussing these two fire and ice battle episodes I'm really excited about. Uh, Bryce, since this is your first time on the show, what has your experience been with Are You Afraid of the Dark?
1: Oh my gosh, so um, I get the consensus that uh, we're probably all millennials. Um, I came along right at the perfect time for television, Nickelodeon. Um We were not a Disney household, we were a Nickelodeon house. Uh, household is your home a Nickelodeon home. <laughs> and every Friday night it was Nick. And I saw Are You Afraid of the Dark? My mom warned me. And she said, This show is gonna scare you. And I did not listen to her. And I remember tuning in, and I think the first episode I saw was the tale of the prom queen. Ooh, and that's good one. It is a very good one. And it scared me because I walked away from that episode with such an existential crisis. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, she was only like 17 years old and she died. And I'm like, is that like how it's going to be for me? And so like I wasn't even scared by the fact that she was a ghost. I was just stuck on the fact that, oh, no, this young girl, her, you know, life is cut down very shortly. And so I was hooked. I, I, I love the Midnight Society. I love all the members. Yes, I even like Stig. Stig <laughs> has, Stig is 2-0 and oh, as far as I'm concerned. He's told two of the best stories. And I know Stig gets a lot of crap i love stick i even like the newer midnight society when tucker took over um banj quinn um, megan and andy i love those kids and i even like the um the mini series they've been doing and i'm hoping that um i think his name courtland keep me honest is it tj yep tj billings tj billings makes more of those i don't think he did the first one but the I know he did the second and the third one, and I like the idea that the Midnight Society exists in all these different places around the country, mm-hmm. really Canada but, um <laughs> all over the country and i I just all hope the this show, yeah, I just hope this show <laughs> continues to do you know make more mini series, and the beauty of this show, you guys is that the episodes most of them still hold up like Mm -hmm. i still watch um what is the one dark music and that ending is so eerie so Mm -hmm. eerie so um i i think it's cool that my friends are introducing the show to their kids so i think the lasting power of are you afraid of the dark is going to go on and on you know
0: but uh with that being said and uh our our love for 90s nostalgia just getting started uh let's dive into the battlefield and i'm going to grab my sword and no i'm i'm fire ghost i'm going to grab my shield and uh courtland will have his sword we'll join out on the battlefield so let's get this battle started Alright, for this episode, uh, obviously we're going to be looking at two very, very special episodes, uh, fire and ice themed. And um, for the episode details, before we really go into the categories, the first one we're going to look at is The Tale of the Frozen Ghost. And I, you, you all know me. I'm horrible with names, so feel free to correct me when I butcher this, Cortland. Happens to uh, me all the
2: time. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this uh, tale of the frozen ghost came out for season two, uh, episode seven. It was written by Naomi Jens- Jensen and it was directed by Ro... 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 Ro, Ro, Ro <laughs> on, Ron... Uh, Ron... Ron uh, right? Ali... Ali... Ali Ver,
1: Olivier.
0: Ron Olivier. <laughs> 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 and uh, the air date was August 14th, 1993. And the second one, the one that I will be defending, is Tale of the Fire Ghost. This was from Season 4, Episode 10. It was written by Scott Peters and directed by Jean-Marie Camille. beautiful yeah thank you (laughs) see this is why I don't do names Uh, and the air date was December 10th 1994 Uh, in side tangent when it came to naming my children I would not name them uh, because I cannot come up with good names. I would butcher names. That was my skill set. Megan would be, well, how about this name? And I'd find a way to make fun of it. And she gets so mad at me after about the 20th time. She said, why do you keep messing with all the names? <laughs> Isaiah like, said, if I can, the children at school can. Mm-hmm. And she went, oh, okay. So, but yeah, names. I'm terrible with them. But I'm going to step aside and I'm going to let Bryce take over as judging responsibilities starting with Bryce tell us what the categories are
1: okay Alex so our categories for tonight we're going to be judging on five of them the first being story Um, that includes the book ends with the midnight society Um, our second category will be main character duo Um, so each of these episodes features two main characters so we'll be judging which of those two pairings um we feel is the best um category number three that is the ghost character um so the main antagonist of each episode um number four is the use of the elemental theme so for frozen ghost it would be ice and for the fire ghost it would be fire And lastly, our fifth category will be Lasting Appeal, meaning as of January 4th, 2024, how does each episode stack up in, you know, today's climate as far as like what's on TV right
0: now? Well, then I will leave it to you to start to ping pong us back and forth. So who do you want to hear from first and what's our first category?
1: Alex, I want you to start us off. Um, we're going to be talking about story. Um, and again, we're talking also about the book in Elements with the Midnight Society. Um, generally, they have their own drama going on before and after. So you have the Frozen Ghost episode. Tell us about the story. Now,
0: I've, I've got Fire Ghost, but I can still do oh, Fire so Ghost. Oh, so sorry. Fire you Ghost. <laughs> I will, I, will, I will head it off with a fire ghost and then uh, Cortland will, will freeze. Uh, the episode opens with a close-up heated argument between Sam and Kiki. Gary interjects briefly, then we cut to Betty Ann explaining the situation from the sidelines next to Frank. Apparently Kiki loaned Sam her favorite sweater and her locker got broken into. Sam tries to apologize, but her angry words are of no effect. The bickering escalates more and more, adding more <clears throat> fuel to the fire. When Tucker runs in, trips, and drops the fire bucket full of water on the ground. Okay, bucket boy. Gary begins squabbling with Tucker over his mistake, and Betty Ann breaks up, uh, breaks up the fighting with a loud whistle. Tucker takes his place on the stone throne to describe the nature of fire. When given a chance, it can cause horrible destruction. I'm not talking about the damage it can do while it's burning. I'm talking about the damage it can do after it's been put out. He throws his midnight dust on the fire, and with a blaze of flashing smoke, introduces his tail. We open the tail with a couple of people hidden in in the shadows, grabbing a box of matches from a drawer. Upstairs, a fireman rests on his bed when the alarm goes off. He runs to the fire pole and slides down, only to witness his friends, family, and co-workers and put together a surprise party. When the group enjoys the birthday cake, Jimmy's mother hurries out of the scene to go to the hospital after her pager beeps. Yay, 90s. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the fireman's daughter, Roxy, gives him a nose ring for his birthday. So thoughtful. (laughs) Just then, the lights flicker, and Roxy questions what the fire ghost is about. The window Jimmy is sitting nearby shatters, and Jimmy gets shards of glass in his hand. Jimmy's dad patches it up in the equipment room, but clearly Jimmy is upset at his dad for missing dozens of his activities. Jimmy's dad apologizes for being tied up at work, and he promises to spend some quality time with his son by playing video games in the rec room in just a few moments. Their fun is smothered by yet another sudden fire alarm. As predicted, Jimmy's dad leaves uh, with his group to save the day. Jimmy leers at his dad while his father shouts a false promise at him, and Roxy tries to call for their mother, but the phone dies. The lights continue to flicker and the two feel increasingly uncomfortable being left behind alone in the fire station the kids witness a man fly down the fire pole in the darkness. He approaches Roxy and Jimmy, lighting a match under his face to reveal himself as Jake Griffin, one of the firemen who stayed behind during the call. Over at the birthday table, Jake describes the devious nature of fire. It lives, it dies, and it thinks. Fire will do anything to survive and grow. Once a fire is quote-unquote, dead, the Spirit of the Flame allegedly follows firefighters back to their station to haunt them via a victim looking directly into the flame. Jake mentions Jimmy's dad is aware of the fire ghost haunting this station, and to be careful, should they encounter it. Back upstairs, the siblings chill on the cots while Jimmy asks her, whose fault is it that their parents broke up? Roxy extinguishes that conversation quickly, knowing they've been down this road before. Shortly after, we see and hear a warm light flickering from below the fire pole. Jimmy slides down to investigate with a candlestick. No one is around, but the light heats up inside the equipment room, drawing Jimmy closer. Roxy creeps up on Jimmy, and the flickering shuts down instantly. The phone rings, and the kids can hear a man taunting them on the line. A fire hose sneaks up from behind Jimmy like a cobra, wraps around him, then drags him into the equipment room. A fireman's suit comes to life and enters the room, axing the hose. Terrified, Roxy and Jimmy race through the upper level of the fire station to seek refuge from their masked assailant. The assailant spots the kids hiding behind a curtain. Turns out it's Jake, watching out for them. The kids demand, how come you know so much about ghosts? To which Jake calmly replies, one, no one. The kids smash a window to escape, leading them to a police officer patrolling the area. The officer searches the area for any culprits with the kids. No one is around. The officer orders the kids to stay locked up in the equipment room while he searches the interior premises. The kids refuse stammering that it's dangerous at there irritated the officer grabs roxy by the shoulder revealing his true form as the fire ghost he laughs maniacally while a flame bursts behind them then vanishes a moment later the kids reunite with jake to learn how to defeat the spirit they had released into the firehouse jake explains the origins of the fire ghost and how he looked inside of a crumbling building for more people, but ended up perishing. The fire that took Jake's life is the same one that this fire ghost came from, and also the same fire Jimmy and Roxy's father helped extinguish. Now it's back to seek revenge, and the three devise a plan to stop the wandering flame before the other firefighters return. Crossfade to Jimmy, approaching the equipment room, antagonizing the fire ghost to come out and attack him. The fire ghost falls for the bait, blaming Jimmy's father as a murderer. Roxy creeps up behind the ghost and blasts him with a fire extinguisher. However, their victory is a short-lived one, as Jake's speech is cut off by the ghost, reemerging to hassle Jake and the kids. Jimmy pleads with the ghost,
1: I hate fire. Do anything, but please don't use
0: fire. But the ghost, intrigued by the kid's vulnerability, ignites himself while in human form, triggering the sprinkler system above. The fire ghost melts, wailing a horrible screech, reducing itself to dust, while Jimmy stomps the dust with his foot. Now at peace, Jake tells the kids to mention him to their father and vanishes for the final time. The firemen return on their firetruck, and the kids are thrilled to see their father safe and sound. The father asks what happened here, and they embrace their father in a loving hug. We return to the Midnight Society campfire pit, where Frank praises Tucker for a well-woven ghost story, which is a first. Sam approaches Kiki and offers to pay for her stolen sweater. Kiki agrees they'll each pay for half to replace it. Frank teases the girls for making up with each other and the three walk off into the woods, Betty Ann trailing behind. Gary asks his sibling what to do now that all the water has been spilt and Tucker reassures him they'll just put dirt on the fire instead. The remaining storytellers leave for the night and as the camera settles on the campfire pit, smoke spurts out of the pile alongside unnerving guttural music. End of the episode.
1: Okay, Courtland, you are representing the Frozen Ghost, so it is your turn.
2: All right, well, let's get with the story for the Frozen Ghost. So this episode opens up with everyone around the Midnight Society campfire trying to stay cool on a hot summer night while they wait for Kristen to arrive. Some of them are fanning themselves while others are imagining swimming in a pool. Kristen appears at the campfire pit dressed in denim from head to toe, stating her wardrobe as usual ties into her story and mentions how she has a tale so chilling it'll send shivers down everybody's spine. the others gawk in amazement Kristen throws a handful of midnight dust into the campfire declaring her story title the tale of the frozen ghost the story begins one chilly january night as a limo speeds down a dark road past iced over trees inside there's charles pemberton iii who's a rich kid bundled up tightly like tighter than a coiled snake and Daphne, his couldn't care less babysitter, imagining what it'll be like to meet Charles's aunts who live in the countryside alone. The limo arrives at a large, well-preserved farmhouse where the driver drops off the kids. The two cautiously step onto the porch where Charles gets a tad shaken by a rocking chair being pushed back and forth by the winter breeze. The doors open up to reveal two charming elderly women, Greta and Maylene, who cheerfully invite the kids into their home and take their bags. One of them look outside the door cautiously before closing it, and the driver scurries out the front door, creeped out by the house. While both ants lug their guest's trunk upstairs to their rooms, Maylene slips a tip that their country abode may be haunted by ghosts.
1: We're only trying to be good hosts!
0: I thought we agreed not to mention that.
2: I only said hosts, not ghosts.
0: Ghosts?
2: Charles examines his bedroom while Daphne leaves to draw his bath. He hears a sudden noise, jumping to the conclusion that it could be a ghost. In the next scene, Charles slinks into his bubble bath after noticing some strange occurrences within the bathroom. There's overhead lights that are swinging. There's whispering, dancing around the walls. Spooky stuff. Downstairs, the ants argue over a lack of heat in the house due to their electric bill being late. They lead into a story about how their father raised his daughters with specific money beliefs and a falling out happened between him and Charles's great-grandfather. Apparently, Uncle Charlie hired a convicted bank robber to work on the farm, and some shady business went down. According to Maylene, everyone on the train out of the town, including the arrested robber, crashed, and they never found his body. Outside, we see a strange point-of-view angle of something floating into the kitchen window, and it pushes the pie off the sill with a sudden gust of wind. Maylene continues the story now that Charles is dressed and eating dinner, and Daphne prods the ants to hear more about the rumored stories about ghosts living around the house, but they kind of continue to dance around the subject, leaving out some critical elements. Later that night, while Charles is fast asleep, he dreams of a strange scenario where we see the robber reach into a hollowed log and rip out something red from Charles, shouting, Give it back, kid! Give it back! Charlie suddenly wakes up to witness his bedroom window burst open, He walks over and sees a small ghost child glowing in the dark of night, timidly uttering Mortified, Charles runs out of his bedroom to get Daphne's help, but she's not having any of his nonsense and she slams that door right in his face. The next morning, the kids argue whether or not what Charles spotted was actually there. Maylene mentions, well never talk to us, and the ants drop the charade and admit that they're aware of the ghost haunting their property. Maylin drops her cross-stitch hoop Showing a rather bloody axe, I might add To explain how a little boy from the neighboring farm Used to sneak around the house all the time Looking for where his mother hid the cookies <laughs> The child, unfortunately, uh, froze to death <laughs> And they found this Don't outside. you
0: hate when that happens? I'm just sitting here laughing about it um,
1: <laughs> Oh die. darn Is that bad? No It's just kind of sad
2: but they found the uh, body of them huddled up for warmth under the woodshed. Aunt Greta interrupts to announce the fire in the stove has gone out again and they need the kids to chop up some more wood so that they can keep the house warm. Charles and Daphne sauntered to the backyard to prepare to chop some logs. Charles here, he's hesitant though, uh, giving excuse after really lame excuse about not being able to do things, proving just how sheltered he is. Fed up with Charles's hesitant nature, Daphne scoops up a mound of mud and slathers it all over his clean blue flannel overalls. Charles tries to scrape off the mud, whining the entire time. Suddenly, the bickering duo are cut off by a trailing whisper. They look out of the edge of the property, but nothing's there. Daphne disappears in a search to find the source, while Charles cowers in the woodshed. Just then, a pair of small footprints imprint themselves in a stepping fashion through the mud towards Charles. The camera whips around to reveal the pale white ghost repeating his iconic line. (laughs) It's in all the commercials frightened Charles hobbles and jumps through the brush running into the ghost at every turn. Suddenly he gets stuck in a deep mud puddle and falls over twice for some reason. (laughs) They really liked that shot and Daphne reappears to pick him up. The ghost reappears before both kids and Daphne questions what the ghost wants. Charles who's now oddly calm and composed he realizes that his dream is connected to the apparent adolescent the the child the ghost points to a nearby log and charles pulls out his red coat dropping the stove's flu key in the process in a beautific camera swish the ghost puts on his red jacket and transforms into his vibrant cheerful self in an instant he smiles and then vanishes from sight daphne and charles smile knowing that they got gratification from helping out the ghost complete his unfinished business. They pick up the stovepipe key, prompting Maylene to reinsert it into the stove back at the farmhouse. A sudden rush of metal clings and clangs through the flue, unloading a whole lot of gold that the criminal kept secret all this time. While Charles holds a pile of the newly found fortune, Daphne declares,
1: Maylene,
0: Greta, I have a feeling your money troubles are over.
2: We crossfeed back to the Midnight Society's campfire, where the storytellers piece together the story's elements, all satisfied with Kristen's tale. Gary grabs the fire bucket declaring this meeting of the heatwave society over and they all exit the campfire pit into the night as the smoke rises into the moonlight sky. And that's the end of the episode.
1: Thank you, Cortland. Um, having heard a recap of both of the episodes, um, I have a question for the both of you. Um, one thing I always think of when I watch a, are you afraid of the dark episode is obviously each of the Midnight Society members gets to tell a story. So uh, for the Frozen Ghost, that was a Kristen story, and the Fire Ghost was a Tucker story. The thing these two characters have in common is they are very controversial. So my question for you first, Cortland, is do you think that Kristen was the appropriate Midnight Society member to tell a story like Frozen Ghost?
2: i feel like kristen's stories are a little bit more whimsical and lighthearted in nature and i think the frozen ghost is pretty lighthearted i mean it ultimately has like a pretty satisfying conclusion uh which besides like the tale of the final wish i think all of us have had like a a really nice satisfying conclusion where everybody's happy in the end of the day i mean all the money problems are fixed the ghost's unfinished business is completed the ghost robber uh you know he doesn't get nothing but you know he caused all this problem in the first place but Um, I I think it is. Um, I think it's a little bit, I don't think this episode's scary, but I think this is a little bit more on the spooky side for a Kristen tale when you compare it to something like The Hungry Hounds or Locker 22. Um, But I'm glad that she got to have this story. And I think Kristen has some really great moments at the beginning too. So yeah, I'm glad this one's a Kristen story. It doesn't really fit into her theme of like dressing. I guess they tried to go with like her being in, full 1991 denim at the time but like other than that yeah i think i think it was a good person story
1: what about you alex um our 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 lovable scamp uh tucker um in his younger version not the you know new wave of the midnight society he's the one who told the tale of the fire ghost do you think based on some of the previous stories like um the midnight ride and the phone police that this is something that fits in with Tucker's oeuvre.
0: I think so. If you really look at his stories as a whole, they really deal a lot with some pretty extreme... I don't want to say elemental; that's not the word. Supernatural elements, uh, because you do have the headless ghost. Uh, the phone police themselves are very much a mystery that even now we still don't know how they operate. Uh, and and then later we have things like the Forever Game, and um, that we also have Jake the Snake, Tale of Oblivion, and uh, even uh, on the original series, uh, the Manaha. Uh, Guardian's Curse, he he deals a lot with very supernatural monsters in some form, and while a lot of Are You Afraid of the Dark Tales do deal with ghosts, it is a pretty common thing to occur, there is el- an elemental <laughs> element <laughs> added to this, because uh, it's not just your usual ghost, it actually poses a real physical threat to the kids, which we'll talk about more that that later, but it's giving an extra bit of flavor for a Tucker tale where there are genuine stakes involved that we don't normally get from his tales. I mean, there are stakes involved, but the supernatural elements that are involved in them feel less imposing because Fire, he... That is combining a natural element and a supernatural element together and makes for an interesting concept which Tucker for his many faults does come up with some pretty creative big bads for his tales
1: I like that and I I like what you said about the the elemental element and the supernatural element because if you take both ghost away from each episode you still have cold extreme cold and extreme heat and those Mm. are deadly on their own and i i love episodes where you know you have the supernatural element and it's cool and everything but there's still some real danger there Mm. um if you take those away now speaking of our kids um are we ready to move on to category number two yes awesome Category number two, this is where we talk about our main character duos. So we have for Frozen Ghosts, Daphne and Charles Pemberton, the third. And then for Fire Ghosts, we have Roxy and Jimmy. So this time, I'm going to start with you, Cortland. Would you like to break down your two characters of Daphne and Charles Pemberton, the third?
2: I would love to talk about Daphne and Charles Pemberton, the third. I like these characters quite a bit, just because they're so fire and ice. Um, (laughs) I know, right? Let's see what they did there. Um, I I just really like it because they are very different. You have Charles, which is very uh, like posh. If I'm using that word right, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's very much like spoiled and overbearing and scared of everything. I mean, I don't know how many times this kid stammered out ghosts in this episode but it was a lot ghosts, ghosts. ghosts. ghosts.
0: The ghost the ghost 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 ghost
2: and um i just love their their back and forth you have melissa joan hart as daphne i mean nickelodeon melissa joan hart was like kind of the face of nickelodeon for a little while there she was in clarissa explains it all and then they were like we got her for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Everybody needs to watch this episode. And you can tell because, I mean, I made a joke about it earlier, but it was in all the commercials.
0: And you'll also get the tale of the Frozen Ghost, featuring Melissa Joan Hart as a babysitter who joins a young boy in uncovering a spooky secret.
2: The music video, Feel the Fear, is there's a lot of Frozen Ghost in there. Um, it I think it really drew a lot of viewers for Are You Afraid of the Dark that liked Clarissa and maybe hadn't seen Are You Afraid of the Dark somehow? I don't know. But uh, they definitely, they had her and they used her her for a lot of their commercials. Um, But yeah, I love the characters so much. It's probably my favorite part about the tale of the frozen ghost, the, um, the ants alone. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could quote those ants all day and (laughs) I would love myself if I did that. So um, just the way that they make mac and cheese and pie, like I wish they were my grandmas, you know? Um, But uh, Daphne and Charles, I, I mean, they're, they just, they have some chemistry going on. And you just watching Daphne be so annoyed with Charles, as we the viewers are annoyed with Charles.
1: Oh, look,
0: he's still alive. What a surprise. He survived a little bit of mud.
2: Uh, it's such a fun journey to to kind of go through for 22 minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: Was Melissa Joan Hart appropriate for this role as Daphne the babysitter?
2: I think she was. I think Melissa Joan Hart was in kind of this child actor she was like in a higher tier echelon of child actors um she has quite a range she is very talented and uh, dependable and I, I think she nailed the role um i did i watched a lot of clarissa explains it all growing up but i don't remember as much i for some reason with nickelodeon shows if they didn't have kids that were my age in it um i didn't really care as much about them like pete and pete i kind of missed out on that growing up and now i have watched episodes and really enjoy it um, same with Clarissa Explains It All. Basically, if anybody was a high school student or or like that age in Are You Afraid of the Dark, I kind of tune those episodes out. Um, I don't know. I'm weird. Because <laughs> I know a lot, like when you were talking about uh, The Prom Queen, my first thought was like, man, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I didn't pay attention to that one much. And I think it's because the kids were a little older and I wanted to see kids that were more around like that, you know, 8 through 12 age kind of thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think, having Melissa Joan, uh, Melissa Joan Hart on was like a really solid choice for Nickelodeon. Um, and I'm glad that she got to work with like DJ McHale and and the crew for Are You of the Dark? Because from what I've heard, it was a really wonderful experience for all the kids, which unfortunately you don't hear that a lot like these days. So uh, I'm glad that she got to have that opportunity.
1: I do have one more question for you, Cortland. And I just thought of it. Is Charles Pemberton III really that bad? I know he gets a lot... Of- of a you know a bad rap amongst the fandom as just being like this spoiled little rich boy, but is he really that bad
2: I don't think he's that bad uh I think he is charming
1: and I he's
2: he's the little like I know I said you can watch Melissa Joan Hart like get annoyed with him as we did as the audience it's annoying, but are you afraid that Ark has much worse characters mm-hmm I fully stand behind the fact that Sam from the tale of the crimson clown is the true villain, true villain of, are you afraid of the dark?
1: I was just thinking about him.
2: So no, I don't think Charles is that bad. I think he's quite likable. Um, his apprehensions are a little bit annoying, but like you get to watch him evolve, which is kind of the most satisfying thing about tale for the tale of frozen ghost is watching him get over his fears and, and do things. I mean, ultimately he's the one
0: that kind of solves the mystery. I mean, he is your typical sto- spoiled rich kid, and he does he is essentially served a lesson through multiple characters not just the ghost uh a big part of it being from his (laughs) babysitter Mm -hmm. but he's not terrible he's not exceedingly unlikable he starts off arrogant but slowly evolves which i mean you've usually have to have, it's kind of an argument for the dark trope, you have to have at least one somewhat unlikable character Mm -hmm. for all these horrible things to be happening to them. Uh, It's not always the case, but
1: often the case. Okay, Alex, what about our two fire ghost protagonists? Um, We have teenage Roxy and her little brother Jimmy.
0: So this is a trope that we see a lot, uh, especially in kids' programming kids movies uh, a hook is one that comes to mind immediately uh, and i know there are many more examples but that's my my go-to with the busy dad um who constantly misses his kids anything the soccer game the soccer yeah. game yeah and it was was it a soccer game for this episode as well it was a soccer game for this one because it was baseball it was baseball and hook uh but um uh, but yeah, and Jimmy was just irritated and frustrated while being an adult. It's, come on, your your dad's a freaking firefighter, man. I mean, he kind of has to go when he has to go. But at the same time, what kid wouldn't be annoyed? Uh, maybe not necessarily at dad, but more at the situation. But that's still that's got to be a very aware child uh, because at that point in, in time for kids that their world is very self-centered not every child, but there is every kid has a bit of selfishness. Every adult has a bit of selfishness and especially whenever you love someone and you want to be with them and they're constantly busy having to do something you get, you get irritated and might even take out some of that on them uh, which is and it's super easy to do when you're a kid, uh, which is something that I think a lot of adults can take for granted whenever they're watching this episode and they just want to shake Jimmy like, dude, your dad's a frickin firefighter. Like the, the kid's a kid. Come on, uh, he's he's not seen his dad and his dad's missed out on so much of his special events. and uh, although as a father, I can totally relate and understand where where the dad is coming from. But also, having been a child, I can understand where Jimmy's coming from. And Jimmy is kind of in the same boat as as Charles. He's a bit of that snooty, arrogant personality. He's not uppity rich, but he's that, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, and I want everyone to know it. And everyone's going to know it. But also, he's pretty inventive and thinks on his feet pretty well. Uh, because it was his idea that actually defeated the the ghost, which I'll get to that a little more. I'm not going to get too much into that right here, but it was his idea. He is the ultimate one who came up with the idea that did stop the ghost uh, under a lot of pressure uh, because that's, that's a really intimidating figure the, to go up against a kid. And Roxy also is very... Um, adept at coming up with ideas and she actually made the first attempt to defeat the ghost uh, which failed but it was still a good idea and uh, she also stands her ground because I think it was her who did not want to go into the equipment room I mean the both of them didn't but she was the more vocal of the two and really standing up to what they thought at the time a police officer and they didn't know it was the main villain they just thought it was a normal cop and that she's standing her ground no I don't want to do that and that takes a lot of guts for any child to stand up to an adult let alone a police officer which is, is a big deal but also the two of them really did have a good I really felt like they were brother and sister because they didn't like most are you afraid of the dark siblings they're often at each other's throats throughout much of the episode, like most siblings. This really isn't that way. They do bicker, they do argue a little bit, but it's a little bit. Uh, And then most of the time, they're really working together given the environment that they're in. And I really like that, because that's what you see a lot with siblings. They do argue, they do play, they do interact, but whenever there is something that they need to stop all this and really focus on their situation, they will. Um, Which I've seen a lot of, unfortunately. But uh, it, it happens. And given the situation, they work well together. They work even I would say even better as individuals. But they both carry out their plans well. And they're both very intelligent children.
2: I fully agree with you. Um, I I quite like Jimmy and um, and Roxy. I think they were really well casted characters. Mm-hmm. Like the actor and actresses that played them were great. And um, I uh, I like the stories where the brother and sister kind of get along and they
1: mm-hmm.
2: work together to solve a problem.
0: Not not like the Phantom Cab where the kid's trying to solve it in the back seat yeah. and the other one's just berating him the entire time. Shut up! He's trying to figure this. You're gonna die! Shut up!
2: yeah phantom cab is a great example of like bad yeah. <laughs> siblings yeah. or i mean i hate to bring up like crimson cloud again but i mean that, that brother great brother episode. i i love the episode <laughs> there's so much to enjoy about it but like that brother brother relationship is really strained and you can tell this one doesn't quite have that like they have their own problems their mom and dad are separated and uh um it's it's just really I, again it's kind of one of those things you can relate to it and that's one of the one wonderful things about Artie Frey of the Dark, is that they did have characters that you can relate to, and you can see that they can be brave in scary situations. And Fire Ghost is definitely one of those, like kid empowering
1: episodes. You guys, I this may be a you know, a tangent, but I just thought of something. This poor actress has been in two separate episodes where her dad is emotionally unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> she was. I just realized she was in The Guardians Cursed. Uh, As Danny Cooksey's uh, sister and that dad was too busy to take them on a a ski trip. So um, they should bring her back and give her a a, a more attentive father figure.
0: (laughs) No, they'll bring her back in a reboot and the husband will be gone.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That's that's the Are You Afraid of the Dark way. But Alex, the question I had for you, and um, I really credit you, Cortland, for kind of, you know, making me think of this. Um, Courtland, you mentioned evolution charles pemberton the third he comes into the episode a very specific type of person and through the ordeal of having to figure out what this ghost is needing he kind of ends the episode a braver less self-centered individual um do you think um alex that from point a to point b roxy and jimmy had any kind of evolution as characters
0: most definitely I don't think Roxy necessarily, because Roxy has been far more supportive of her father being a firefighter and understanding of the situation. I think Roxy has just been frustrated with the situation whenever something would happen. She was never really resentful towards her father, but also she's older and she understands things more. Whereas Jimmy is younger and not fully aware of the situation. And again, your dad's a firefighter. He, he knows his dad is a firefighter. I, I know what my dad does, but he doesn't know what all is involved with being a firefighter and the risks that's being taken every single time he goes out. Uh, I mean, yes, he knows that they are emergency services. I mean, he knows the basic stuff, but never really taken into account the full gravitas that comes with actually having to do his profession which he begins to understand more as he's having to face this ghost and realizing not only what the fire ghost has has gone through and how he blames the dad which okay a ghost can show up a fire ghost by this lore can show up through looking into a fire that's been put out, and then now it's it's haunting, but also the fact that Jake was a former firefighter and passed while helping the father. And that was what made Jimmy begin to realize the real stakes that are involved. Not necessarily the fire ghost, but the fact that he has a, another firefighter who passed as a result of all this. And this could have been my dad. And now when Dad shows up again at the end, his attitude has completely changed, not necessarily because he's had to fight a ghost, but Dad's back because he was already relieved by this point. Like, oh, okay, the ghost is done. Okay, we just got to wait for Dad to be home, be back, And, and Dad shows up, and he's just happy that his dad's okay. And honestly proud of his dad because of the way that Jake had built his father up throughout the episode and has far more of a deeper understanding and appreciation for his dad, even though his dad hasn't been able to be there and probably won't be -hmm. there as often as he would like. At least now he understands more and is more patient. I would imagine would be more patient about his father having to go out and help people.
1: Okay, our third category is ghost characters. Um, so this time alex i'm gonna start with you you are representing our fire ghost tell us a little bit about that character
0: uh well we we do have two ghosts in in this story but i mean technically we do but the main antagonist is the fire ghost and it, it's a bit convoluted the way they bring this in but <laughs> it reminded me of backdraft uh, the 1991 movie with uh, Kurt Russell. Because Donald Sutherland in that movie, he would talk about how the fire was a living thing. You know, the mm-hmm. stupid, crazy little arsonist. <laughs> Did it look at you? Did the fire look at you? In a way, you can kind of understand whether a person would come think that because if you've never really seen a really roaring fire, it's freaking terrifying and uh, if um, you combine that with a ghost when a ghost can already be terrifying it's amplified uh, so yeah the, the way that a fire ghost can come to be is a bit far-fetched but honestly it's already afraid of the dark we've had werewolves and pinball machines that uh, swallow children if you're having a hard time believing a fire ghost, you're in the wrong anthology series. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I do kind of like that there is a bit of intrigue and mystery behind what is the fire ghost. I mean, we yes, it's it's a ghost that is... A fire is a living thing, and when it's put out, it begins to haunt the, the firemen for defeating it i do kind of like that how it comes to be i don't know uh does that happen with every single fire that's ever been put out and do they (laughs) follow every single fireman i don't know is there is there a certain degree like (laughs) do do kids have tiny little ghosts that follow them whenever they put out their birthday candles Mm -hmm. i mean i i don't know but uh and and that's that's really nitpicking. That I feel like those guys on Gremlins too, who are nitpicking if they if they eat after midnight and then they time, <laughs> then they go to a different time zone. Uh, I'm, it's really nitpicky stuff. But we don't need to go into all that. It's it's just an interesting concept, and one that we don't really need to go into a whole lot for a one-off episode. But it's it is an interesting idea. And while I. I don't necessarily care for the way they executed the way the ghost was defeated. This is a kid's show. And what do kids want to see them do? See other kids do on a show. They want to see them outsmart outwit the main villain while the acting from uh, Jimmy was not the best in that scene. No, don't, don't turn to fire.
2: Anything Don't, but fire. <laughs>
0: anything but fire. Like, okay, no, dude, sell this. I'm not... <laughs> I would see through that. I mean, Every one of us adults would look through this scene and go, yeah, no, I see what you're doing. But, again, kids show. Kids anthology series. And as a kid, I wouldn't have thought this kid was acting terribly. Do you know how many things I've seen as a kid and was like, oh, this is awesome, and I go back and watch it as an adult. I'm like, what was I thinking when I was eight years old? I mean, I can can totally see kids getting into how this kid was... Yeah, that's a good idea! That's a good idea! I mean, my son, nine years old, is watching Home Alone, and then will come over and tell me, so if a burglar ever came in, you know what I would tell him? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Sam, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. Uh, we, we think some dumb things when we're eight and nine years old, mm-hmm. but it's still, if done well, I mean, if performed well, I could really see something like this, a ghost falling for a, a dumb ploy like this, but you really need a good performer to convincingly do that but it's possible. Uh, I mean, we've even seen other movies and TV shows where adults have done this kind of thing, but it's been more believable in those situations. So while I don't necessarily care for the way they handled the execution of the fire ghost, it's also a kid's show and they got to wrap it up quick and do it in a way that will appeal to kids. And the way they handled it, it's for an adult it's
1: serviceable for a kid. It was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, Jimmy invented reverse psychology. I can't believe it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alex, you uh, mentioned um, the age of your son, and it just reminded me that really this shows probably primary demographic was as you know as early as seven Mm -hmm. on up to you know middle school age, and you know with this particular episode, and even with Frozen Ghosts, you know our ghost characters had barely traumatic. Um, things that happened that, to them that resulted in their death. Do you think, um, you know, this fireman perishing in, in a fire while fighting a fire, do you think that's particularly heavy for that age demographic? Uh,
0: is it heavy? I probably is. But to be perfectly honest, kids are capable of handling very, very heavy concepts. And I, Sam, my, my oldest, he has taken to heavy concepts very, very quickly. And... Is okay with talking about them and learning from them and how it affects other people. Uh, A a quick example was one time uh, we had a babysitter come out, take him to the the museum. She's become like a sister, like an aunt to him, but she has a lot of anxieties, especially in large groups of people. And she took him to the museum, uh, kids museum, and she had to set aside she was it was beginning to get to her all these people and she let her husband take my son to go play but he's fine playing with with her husband but he he also want to spend time with her so he goes to check on her because that's the way he is and she was telling no i'm fine I, I'm, I'm not okay I, I will be go so he didn't question he went and he played and then he came back after about 15 minutes to check on her again and she said no I I can't right now and he said why and she tries to explain this dumbed down about how she gets anxieties and then he said so and he 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 got it immediately so all these people are making you freak out right now Mm -hmm. and she went yes he said what can we do to help Mm-hmm. At nine, he understood massive adult issues and, and mental health awareness. At nine, or no, he, he went nine, he was seven at the time. So, kids can totally understand heavy concepts. Uh, I mean, kids go to children's church and learn about heaven and hell and the eternal e- eternity, uh, they might not be able to grasp the whole concept i mean adults can't really uh sometimes uh, grasp the whole concept but kids are absolutely able to take heavy traumatic concepts in television and movies and all these other things and really i mean you had had an existential crisis whenever you watched the the prom queen uh because you you weren't really worried about the ghost you were worried about this could happen to me this could happen to anyone and while it can be frightening to some it can be eye-opening to anyone and um no i i is it something that kids can watch and understand yes uh is it something that should and shouldn't be that's up that's very case-by-case basis uh how how is the child can they handle these kind of concepts is it in a household where the parents can explain these things in a way that children can understand? I mean, it's very case by case, but for the most part, kids kids are far more stronger and adapt, uh, adaptable than what adults think they can.
1: You know what? I'm glad you said that because I was just thinking that I really appreciate that the show went there because we, you know, over the lifetime of the show, we've had characters that are... Art of hearing we've had characters mm-hmm. who are um disabled and we even had you know characters dealing with divorce or a parent passing away and that was just so subtly written into these episodes that like you know it's there but they don't dwell on it so much but kids can identify they're like well my parents are divorced or my dad just passed away last year I understand what that's like so Um, I really appreciate you saying that because um, I think that's the beauty of this show is that if you, you know, take away the horror element, like real life sometimes can be scary on its own without ghosts and vampires and werewolves, you know.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think that was a conscious effort, uh, if I remember correctly, that DJ had said where, yes, the ghost is the main ploy, but what is the kids stories? That's what I love about the show so much
2: is that it really respects children the entire time. And I think that's awesome.
1: Well, Courtland, you're up next. Um, um, We're going to move away from fire and back to ice. So you have the Frozen Ghost. I do want to say for Fire Ghost,
2: um, when I was a child, I remember specifically being in some sort of store. I think it was like an antique store. And um, I looked into... (laughs) I looked into a fireplace and was like, "Uh oh, we get the Uh-oh. fire ghost." You know? <laughs> it reminded me of that when you were like, "Oh, when a kid blows out a candle, is that someone a fire ghost?" You know, I I don't know. It's funny though because when I did this this episode on the podcast, I didn't really remember a lot of it, but I specifically remember looking into fire and being
1: worried for a
2: little bit. <laughs> There's a fire ghost coming out. So,
1: so you were worried about fire ghosts, and I was worried about getting mowed down by a car on prom night.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um. So, Tale of the Frozen
2: Ghost, the ghost in this episode, um, it kind of falls in the category of, like, not being a villain, which I quite like that. I like those Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, whereas there's there's not really, like, a quantified villain. The one that I always use as, a, as an example, because it's really popular, is the tale of the Dollmaker. Like, mm-hmm. the Dollmaker itself is kind of the villain of that episode, and there's not, like, a adult that they have to deal with or, you know, goth or something. Like, it's just it's just the situation and it's kind of the same a little bit in frozen ghost. The ghost itself is honestly just more annoying than it is threatening by any means. If they did want to go a threatening route, they could have had the bank robber be a ghost as well. Kind of like the, what they did with Jake. Like if they had two ghosts, like they did in fire ghost, having the the villain be that bank robber, but they focus more on like the child and the, um, getting him warmed up so that he can, move on to the other side we did get like the nice backstory of the ghost which i think was kind of a little bit lacking in fire ghost in a way just because like the fire ghost isn't a it was not like a human that died in the fire it was literally the ghost of that fire so having it have like a corporeal like human form was a good choice because i love the makeup and everything but it uh it makes a little bit more sense in the frozen ghost where it's like literally that child that passed away um But like I said, he's just a little bit annoying. He's always talk about how cold he is. Feels like Frosty the Snowman is sitting on my face. He just kind of moves stuff. Like even Maylene and Greta are just like, yeah, he's just kind of annoying. We just deal with it. Like. (laughs) he's fine you know um i don't know if he has some sort of like psychic abilities to instill like the images in charles's dreams maybe there's a layer to the frozen ghost that nobody knows about because all he says is that i'm cold you know (laughs) he doesn't say anything else um but it, it is very satisfying to see his story come to a full conclusion um but again you get that with jake and and the fire ghost too uh, one thing, I don't know if this is the right time to mention it or not, but I love in Fire Ghost how the kids have no idea about Jake, even though there is a plaque like commemorating Jake and his service to the fire department like in there, which I feel like they spend a lot of time in the firehouse, and they're just like, who's this Jake fella? Like, nobody's ever talked about him.
0: Where did this guy come from? I've been here so many times, and he's never been here before. <laughs> My dad never
2: mentioned anything about Jake. I don't know who he is. It's
1: kind of almost very similar to The Quiet Librarian, where the librarian's portrait apparently has been hanging in the library and it's like the characters are like seeing her for the very first time when they encounter her.
2: I love it. I love that stuff. I think it's so funny.
0: <laughs> I, I also, I've got to say, I resonate with that stupid ghost because I absolutely hate with a passion cold And every single time I, well, especially this time of year, I step outside, I instantly think that stupid kid, I'm (laughs) cold.
2: (sighs) I mean, look, guys, I'm cold right now. So, like, he's been rolling through my mind rent-free for like two months at minimum
0: and see um, my son he's three and every single time he gets out of the bathtub and i start to dry him off and he he will say i'm cold and, but, <laughs> and, and, and it sounds like the freaking frozen ghost the way he says it and he's never watched the show before but my mine is as as far more pc than 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 his is but mine i'm not going to say because we usually keep the show about pg-13 but um Uh, If you want to know my opinion on cold, uh, just look up Cowboy Junkies and and their song about cold. That's, That's exactly, exactly how I feel.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. The fact because my question for you, Cortland, is with both our ghosts, Jake and this unnamed child, Jake gets to have full blown conversations with Roxy and Jimmy. Meanwhile, um, you know, Daphne and Charles are trying to solve the mystery and they have this ghost that's just saying the same thing over and over again. So what is your headcanon, your ghost headcanon for why um, the ghost, the child ghost, is only able to have very limited communication versus, you know, someone like Jake who is able to freely communicate with the people he's haunting?
2: I will say... I think that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of ghost stories in Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they are all very inconsistent <laughs> uh, with how the <laughs> ghosts are presented, what they're able to do. I don't know what Kristen's cooking up with this one, you know. Because <laughs> I just imagined her by the fire being like, and all he said was, I'm cold. like, And everybody's just like... <gasps> you know
0: <laughs> it's like the where's my big toe it just says that over and over mm-hmm. yeah there's
2: like i mean speaking of that isn't that from um like scary stories stories to tell in the dark there's like a couple yeah. of scary stories to tell in the dark that are all the same of like where's my this you know
1: <laughs> let's shift over to our fourth category Um, Because the theme of this episode is elements, I'm going to be asking you about the particular element utilized in your stories. Um, Cortland, I think I'll start with you this time. You are dealing with the element of ice. How well is ice represented in the Frozen Ghost?
2: So I remember when I covered this episode on the podcast, you know, 20 years ago. um, uh, The element of ice (laughs) for something called the Tale of the Frozen Ghost it's not, I feel like it's not that cold. I, I don't know if it's just me. It's a January day or it's night like in the thirties
0: like, or forties outside. You could have a light jacket.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, like Daphne and, and Charles, they, they didn't look very bundled up to me. The ground is not that frozen. The scenery, it could have been a little more frozen. Uh, we see like the first time I remember really seeing something frozen esque for a show that was shot in Canada. Um, was the tale of the uh, the tale of oblivion because they're like trudging through like snow. And then you have mm-hmm. uh the tale of Bigfoot's Ridge. Um so those ones are very much more frozen than frozen ghost. It does have that element of like, oh, our powers out, like it's so cold in here, but I'm going to bake a pie. Um it's not uh, besides him constantly letting us know that he's <laughs> old, you guys. Uh There's not that much frozenness in this episode.
1: I will say that opening scene of the limo driving, that's the coldest it felt um, in that episode. And then I, to me, if it's really that cold and they don't have heat, to me the worst thing you could do is take a bath. (laughs) I don't know about you all, but like if the power goes out in my house in this winter time, the last thing I want to do is go submerge myself in a body of water. So... Um, I like that you pointed that out, Cortland, because I never thought about that um what about you, Alex? Um, your element is fire. Do you think um the fire Ghost episode uh represented your particular element well
0: it did uh going along with being hot over in Frozen Ghost. The episode opened with them all sweltering, and then meanwhile there's there's Kristen there with a sweater, and everyone's going. How is she? okay with this that's me uh in in my 99 degree interior of my car where you can't breathe when you step in i'm the one going this is fine this is good (laughs) i'm happy i'm in my happy place my wife thinks i'm insane but i do feel that they really did uh do well with the fire element within this episode. I mean, you're you're at a fire station, so you have all the elements of being a firefighter. Uh, you, it's hard to really plan much of anything, because you never know when you're going to be called out on a whim but to help obviously uh, put out a fire. But also, you do have fire within the episode. Uh, little bursts of fire on occasion to frighten the children. Uh, there would be a fire that would Slowly roar in the equipment room. Uh, the ghost itself was made of fire. I think they even had. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know they had it for um, night shift, but didn't look like they had a stunt man. I mean, they did have digital fire, but I think they actually did have a stunt man who was on fire at one point in the episode. And um, fire was defeated twice. Well, the one fake out and one real by. Being put out by an extinguisher or a sprinkle system, um, you actually had a fireman's suit that was inhabited by a ghost. So there, and they're blowing out the candles, <laughs> so you do have quite a bit of the use of fire in this episode. Uh, the ghost, the fire ghost, looked charred,
1: mm, um, which I thought was makeup.
0: which I thought was a, a nice little touch. Uh, he wasn't at first, but once he revealed his true form, it was all black and he had red around his eyes. It was it was a good job, but they, they really utilized the fire well for the episode.
1: Awesome. And am I the only one with this line of thinking that I don't necessarily view the fire ghost as having um, a happy ending because there's that lingering shot at the end of the episode and i always used to think to myself is it really defeated or is it still out there
0: it's it's interesting to see that by the end of it because i mean it's a tale and 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 it's so rare whenever they would have a potential real tie to the tale i mean yes they've had you know pictures and then they would be looking at the pictures a little awkwardly or they would put on a mask or something that tied to the the story and
2: or the Tucker doll?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they would have something just like a prop to scare the other uh, Midnight Society members. Mm-hmm. But this was the only time outside of uh, Silver Sight, whenever there was a a nod to the audience that there could really be, especially how many times they've looked into the fire, and act, and how many times they've put the fire out. Maybe this time, I don't know. But it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to to ponder.
2: I mean, on top of that, I mean, if there's a fire ghost made every time a fire goes out, like that's a that's a hard world them kids have to live. in. Because, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, poor California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the, I mean, phew, their dads in the most dangerous business ever, like haunted everything's
1: yeah. haunted everywhere, everywhere is haunted <laughs> he's probably like oh yeah those are my friends there they just follow me no biggie
0: <laughs> it is quite literally a ghost town
1: that brings us you guys to our final category lasting appeal which i'm very um excited about this category because one thing you know i think we probably all have in common is for a show that came out is it 30 years? It feels like it. 90. Yeah, it's it been over 30 years that this show has been out. And I think the three of us, you know, maybe not every day, but we return to this series quite often. So, Alex, I want you to go first. Do you think that the Fire Ghost has lasting appeal?
0: I definitely think the episode has a, a lot of lasting appeal. It is not one of the most recognized Episodes within the Are You Afraid of the Dark canon. I do think it's underrated. Uh, I, I think it deserves more credit than it's given. Uh, which is the definition of underrated. Uh, but I, it's not a fantastic episode. It's not in the upper echelon of some of the greats. But it's not bad. Uh, it really has some interesting concepts. There's really few things about the episode that date it. Uh, outside of maybe mom having a pager
2: she could have a cell phone and be fine
0: yeah you just replace it update the technology but everything else about the episode can still happen today uh there are still kids that will go especially for firemen if their dad's there and they happen to have can, can go visit to celebrate a birthday, I'm sure depending on I, I don't know. I'm sure there's there's stipulations and things, mm-hmm. but uh, I am i can't imagine why they wouldn't. And. Uh, kids having to. Be there with their dad or be on the job with their parent while the other one has to go do something that they can't be there for mm-hmm. being left alone in in a situation and especially if they're older and have to call for mom or call for a ride because they've got to leave on on the quick the quick run and there's I mean, the effects are really quite good for 19 what I say ninety ninety five. I think it was 95 scrolling up
1: in my notes I think it's 94, 94. mm mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's they're still really good for a kids show in 1994. the the fi- the CGI fire that they had for it looks really good whenever they actually utilized it. and uh, but most of the time it was practical effects for fire, which really does hold up better than most fire effects now. Um, effects wise, it looks good. Story wise, it's still good., uh, again, not great, but good. Uh, the characters and what they have experienced as a nice arc that kids still can relate to today, especially probably more so today because there's a lot more broken homes and oh gosh a, a, it is a fatherless generation out there. Uh, so seeing these kids being frustrated about their dads not being there is definitely something far more relatable now than it was in 1994. So yeah, there there is some most definite lasting appeal to this episode.
1: And you know what, I was just thinking, we're of the generation that came through when Stop, Drop, and Roll and um, Smokey the Bear were very, very popular, and so it's just always been ingrained in me that fire is something that should be respected because it, as much as it can be destructive, is you know also a source of you know energy for us as well. Um, so. I think that's something that is universal, um, which leads me to Cortland. Um, Cortland, um, with the frozen ghost, um, you mentioned earlier that um, it is the episode they often tout in like commercials and things of that nature. But as far as looking back on the series overall, what do you think of the lasting appeal of that particular episode?
2: I don't think that the frozen ghost is a particularly strong episode uh when we covered season two on our podcast that actually ranked i think the lowest maybe next to uh locker 22 um sorry Kristen. but that does have that lasting appeal because pretty much everybody knows about it when people think of are you afraid of the dark they think of the ghastly grinner they think of zebo they t- think of the dead man's float zombie and
1: Nosferatu coming to the movie screen.
2: Yeah, and those are like high-tier episodes. I mean, they're all really good. And then there's Frozen Ghost that everybody remembers because everybody remembers him saying, I'm cold. And it was in all the commercials, so like the, the lasting appeal for it is just kind of there. It's kind of ingrained in fans of the show or those people that had watched a couple of episodes kind of forgot about it and then was like, oh yeah, that kid was cold that one time. That aside... I don't really think it's that great of an episode, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun to watch. I mean, there's not an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that I don't like. And there's things to like in this episode as well. I don't think that it has quite the um, inserting yourself in these characters as compared to Fire Ghost. I think that's much more relatable to kids in those situations, whether your dad's a firefighter or he works in a factory second shift and you never see him or Mm -hmm. he's a a doctor or a nurse or something. Or
1: lives on the other side of the country.
2: Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's much more relatability in that with Jimmy, Um, with with Daphne and Charles, like the relatability quite, it's not quite there. Like, I don't think a lot of people grew up with like a full-time babysitter. That's three years older than you. That's kind of weird. I don't think a lot of people's parents sent them off to these, family members that you've never met and you have no idea what they even look like <laughs> You're like i don't think that really happens to kids that much um so like that relatability factor is kind of gone the story itself is a pretty stereotypical ghost story there's nothing new nothing really groundbreaking there they help the kid- person do their unfinished business and bada bing bada boom the kid's not cold anymore um <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> Last, like i <laughs> I do not go on to Twitter or Instagram and say like, oh, you got to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? That tale of the frozen ghost, you're going to be in love with it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: I've never done that. It's always going to be Night Shift, Dead Man's Float, Midnight Madness. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> this is this is not on there. But people do remember it.
1: I'm going to say something potentially controversial. Um, I'm curious to see if y'all think similarly. If you take Melissa Joan Hart out of this episode, I don't even think this episode would register in any top ten, top twenty, or even top thirty list.
0: I was going to actually comment that very thing on my review of it when we got to it. No, I fully agree with you. If if she was she's the one that elevates this episode to a decent tier. Uh, if you replaced her with any other performer, it would instantly Lose some points. Unless mm-hmm. it's
2: Tatiana Ali, because my girl is wonderful. <laughs> or maybe even <laughs> Tian Tamara. I could take Tian Tamara in every single episode, and that would be lovely. But I agree. Melissa Joan Hart really carries this episode, which is funny because people remember the ghost for having the catchphrase of I'm cold, where <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart doesn't get any catchphrases. Dang.
0: Outside <laughs> of okay. I will draw your bath, sire. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'll draw your bath, sire. All right. Well, That, I believe, is going to head up all of our points and our arguments, and Bryce will give us his verdicts on uh, which categories are taken by which episodes. But before we get to that point, we're going to get out of the elements for a bit, and we're going to get inside and get away from the fire, get away from the ice, going to get our bodies at lukewarm temperature for a moment, And we're going to see what all else is going on in terms of Splat Attack and what's going on in these guys' neck of the woods. And we'll be right back in just a few minutes.
1: Are you afraid to snake? We'll be right back after this.
0: Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Splat Attack. If you are enjoying our ghost tales, please hit the like button, uh, subscribe, comment below. Make sure to hit that notification bell so you don't miss anything. If you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review. Very simple actions on your part. Very big impact for us. If you can't get enough Splat Attack and you want some exclusive episodes just for you, go to our Patreon, patreon.com splatattack, where we do have exclusive episodes, uh, bonus content, live streams twice a month, uh, along with a few more perks. So head over to patreon.com splatattack to get your 90s fix exclusively for you. Well, I
2: have a podcast myself uh, up All Night a horror anthology podcast. It actually started as Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast, but we ran out of content. So we had to uh, you know, change things up. We've done all of Are You Afraid of the Dark including the the newest three seasons. Uh we've done all of Goosebumps including that newest season as well as the movies. Um we are about midway through Tales from the Crypt right now too and we plan on uh my my co-host Brandon and I plan on continuing that into uh, whatever else comes next, Twilight Zone. I mean, there's so many more anthology shows out there. Uh, you can find me at Up All Night Podcast on Instagram, at UAN Pod on Twitter or X, uh, at Up All Night HA Podcast on YouTube, or Private Island Presents on, on TikTok because I couldn't change it. <laughs> and then I'm Private Island C on, on Twitch if you want
0: to nerd out with me. Tune in next time, Slamsters, when we douse the fireplace and head outside to paint the wall one final time in our Season 5 overview. It's been a long road full of even more nostalgic content than we've ever done before, so you won't want to miss the recap of everything we've done during the past six months on this show. Plus, Brett is coming back for this episode to talk about what he has observed both as a creator and as a viewer. So very much a changing of the guard, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So don't miss out. Catch all the nostalgic-tastic action only here on Splat Attack.
1: Tremble. Tackle. quiver, Freak.
0: snip. All right, after a very, very <laughs> cold good commercial break, yeah you guys go check out some of our bonus content you'll see what i mean about that uh we are ready to see what bryce's got cooked up for us so who is frozen in- <laughs> and and who is in heat
1: <laughs> oh wow oh my god oh wow I, I didn't realize it was this kind of podcast
0: <laughs> uh bryce to, uh, take it away with uh, i got well obviously start with story what are you thinking
1: Okay, so this one was probably the hardest category for me, and what I ultimately decided is which story holds the most nostalgia for me, Um, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that this was probably the episode I've seen the most, I'm going to have to give it to uh, Frozen Ghost. Maileen and Greta, are they're gonna be making you a
2: pie later, so I'll check your mail.
1: <laughs> and I think that's ultimately the deciding factor for me. Um, the ants in that episode, they're so kooky, so off the wall, and the fact that, I think it was you, Cortland, that pointed out that she's doing cross-stitching of a bloody ax. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna run Oliver had to be the one mm-hmm. to sneak this in, like, yeah.
2: One thing I will say about that, too, is like
1: in the tale
2: of the Final Wish at the beginning with the Midnight Society bit. But Betty Ann is talking about some some fairy tale. I don't even know what she's talking about, where they have like a bloody axe. So I like to think it's kind of like a continuity. Like Mm -hmm. Kristen weaved that one in there to appease Betty
0: Ann. (laughs) Yeah. uh, What's the next one? Main characters,
1: main characters. So I totally based this one on like if I was in, in each of these episodes, as kind of like a third character, who would I most likely want to hang out with? And it's hands down Roxy and Jimmy. Um, Daphne's a little bit too um, harsh for me Um, and Charles is a little bit too whiny for me. And I would probably like open the limo door and throw myself out of the car if I had to be with them for that limo ride. I wouldn't even make it to the aunt's house I would have been fed up with both of them. So I would definitely go with Roxy and Jimmy for this one. So fire ghosts. All
0: right, Uh, ghost character.
1: Ghost character, uh, fun fact about me, um, I don't have kids. I find kids very interesting, intriguing. They make me nervous at times. Now, couple that with a child that is a ghost, that's doubly giving me anxiety. So I think I would rather hang out with Jake in the firehouse than, you know, with two word two-word frozen ghost boy. It's so cold, Bryce. <laughs> so sorry Cortland, I'm gonna have to go with the fire ghost on this one. Uh
0: use of elemental
1: theme. Um Well, Cortland, you kind of sealed the deal for this, so it's gotta be Fire Ghost. I mean, even (laughs) you admitted there wasn't a whole lot of ice to be found in the episode that has frozen in the title. Um, Plus, I think fire plays on childhood fears we all had of like, you know, not playing with matches and things of that nature. So definitely Fire Ghost.
0: And that leaves us with lasting appeal
1: lasting appeal um ultimately based on the conversation we had i'm going to have to give this to fire Ghost because i'm imagining a scenario where if i have kids one day and i'm introducing them um to this you know particular show from my own childhood i think the episode we're going to be able to relate more and have more of a common interest on is the fire ghost episode. Um, Fire is universally scary. um, And the episode is dealing with very topical issues like death and divorce, which I think will be very relatable um, to certain kids. So I think as far as lasting power goes, that's going to fire ghost.
0: It is not the way I thought that would shake out at all.
2: Cortland, don't hate me. Oh, I don't know. I lose all of these.
0: <laughs> do we? Did we tied? Didn't we?
2: No, what? I think we did. Um, it, it, we did a stay out of the basement versus dark music. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure stay out of the basement. Lo- uh, oh <laughs> man,
0: I can't remember. Well, what? Good, good job. Well done, Cortland. Well done. Well done. Good job. Good job. No, no points for effort, (laughs) as uh, as is said on uh, Angel. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, But with uh, with that being said, we're going to go into our reviews. And Brett, uh, once again, he had done this for the past several episodes. Uh, He did go ahead and give us his review for both of these episodes. So I'll read his and then we'll see what these gentlemen have to say. Uh, But as far as Tale of the Frozen Ghost is concerned, Brett says, it's not my favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark Ghost story by far, but I do enjoy some of the camera work, which we had alluded to earlier, the tragic ghost story itself, and the rule setting, which I related to as a kid. The whole I'm cold bit gets real old real fast after the first couple of viewings, which is why it's hard for me to revisit this one for fun in my adult years. Points go, uh, points go to it for it, uh, MJH's cameo, and for some of the footage being reused in the "Feel the Fear" music video, which uh, Cortland had pointed out earlier. Uh, and he gives this a rating of a B, which for our splat scale is a splatisfactory. And I, I will give my review last. So, Cortland, what do you, what are your thoughts on the episode?
2: when well i said this before when i did the podcast and revisiting this episode after you know 20 whatever how old i am 20 whatever years (laughs) uh it's it was probably my weakest episode of season two but season two is a very strong season for are you afraid of the dark yeah so it it really was unfair now ron oliver has this way about the camera and he does some amazing shots. Like Brett said, the camera work in this episode is so much fun. You get the aerial shots of like the ants dragging the the trunk up. You get the moving shot, the the um, Evil Dead referenced shots. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Like as an adult, you can appreciate some other things about it. As a kid, I thought this episode was boring. Um, I didn't like it, and I still don't. I don't love this episode. Growing up, like as an adult myself. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart definitely plays a huge factor in this one being memorable as well as just apparently repeating lines over and over again. Not only did you have I'm cold repeated so many times, it was in all the commercials. I said that like six times, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But you also have Charles being like ghosts like all the time. And uh, I don't know, I guess if you just repeat something so many times that it just sticks in our millennial brains and that's all we talk about on Twitter. Um, Overall though... (laughs) While I do enjoy the characters a lot in terms of the ants, <laughs> the ants are like, I don't know, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Old Women are like a match made in heaven. I don't know. That and vampires. They do vampires really well. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> i am on tangents here. I'm barely, I'm just stalling. Um, I would give it probably a C. <laughs> I think it's like an average episode. And that's Ooh. being generous, I think.
0: And, and on our splat attack scale, that is a splat bridge, so a most appropriate. Uh, Bryce, what about you?
1: Uh, I'm going to echo some of the things that have already been said. I think what this episode has going for it is it has good characters, and, you know, I wish we got to see those ants again. Uh, they really were, for me, the, um, the best part of this episode. And something I don't think we talked about is, you know, the 90s fashion was really represented in this episode. Uh, bandanas, tons and tons of denim. Um, so I got to give kudos to this episode for really putting, you know, um, highlighting those trends. But I'm going to go with uh, Cortland and give this episode a C.
0: So a splat fridge. And that is exactly what I was going to do as well, a splat fridge. Um, it was, I I was I've said this many times. I was too terrified to watch *Are You Afraid of the Dark* when I was a child. I was a very very frightful child. So going back and watching it as an adult, this episode I I had a hard time getting invested in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in when you're getting bored with Melissa Joan Hart as one of your leads, you have a problem uh, because Melissa Joan Hart's fantastic. And she really does a great job in just about anything that she's given. And she does take a relatively boring part and give it some life. Mm-hmm. But, and and the aunts, too, or aunts, however you want to pronounce it, uh, they, they really do a great job at elevating their characters, too. But when you have three relatively fun, well-performed characters, and your story is so slow and... There's real, mm-hmm. there's really no payoff. There's no real frights. You, you've got a serious, serious problem. Um, there are things about it that are admirable, like you both have pointed out. And nice little winks and nods and those Ron Oliver touches. But you're, the story really needs to be punched up a lot. It's not awful. It's not good. It is, <laughs> it is splat forage for
1: sure. Oh, no, this episode's not getting into Harvard. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what we forgot to mention, though, about this episode? Do you remember that part where it gets into, like, a Scooby-Doo, like, chase sequence of this for a moment with Charles? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, sped that? up. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the choice was for that. I'm, it I felt very
1: it. Home Alone, too.
2: I'm glad it happened, but I don't know why it happened, and uh, that's
0: all I want to say. Was there anything else like that in the whole episode? No.
1: <laughs> I honestly think they were trying to get to that 22-minute mark. That's the reason why we saw him fall in the mud like five times.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably it. <laughs> For the Tale of the Fire Ghost, once again, we'll start with Brett's review. He says... I want to like this episode more, but the whole story and the nature of the Fire Ghost just feels problematic to me. The only thing I can appreciate here is the evil Fire Ghost's performance, which is hammered, hampered by an unfortunate simple defeat on par with Goth from Sorcerer's Apprentice. It shares similar dynamics to the tale of the Quicksilver's two spirit characters uh, Jake and the Fire Ghost versus Laura and the Quicksilver Demon uh too much focus inside the main firehouse room need much much more fire action with a greater impact and uh, an exterior location with a fire going on take notes from the tale of the unfinished painting whose dumpster fire during the climax actually engaged me this tale had potential but it just fizzled out before it had enough fuel to burn bright and just like brett to have a nice little alliteration <laughs> in his uh, in his reviews uh not a complaint just an observation and I, and I love him uh portland what is your rating for fire ghost
2: this one's a little harder for me to rate i think i might have seen it less uh like i said when we were talking about it this was one of those episodes i didn't quite remember everything when i covered it in the podcast but yet I did have that moment of my life as a child being afraid to look in the eyes of a fire. I don't know. I'm a weird kid. I don't know. But uh, I think this episode, when you said it is underrated, I think that is very true. Uh, I don't see people talking about this episode, even though the story is a little out there, like whatever, you got to suspend your disbelief kind of thing. The makeup in it is good. The characters are great. I love Jake. (laughs) I love the part where Jake is like, takes one to know one. <laughs> Jake, get out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> like These kids are in mortal danger. And you're just going to be like, see you kids. I'm out. Like, I don't know. I, I I think it's fun. I like this episode. I think when we rated it back in season four, it might've been middle of the road. Um, season four for, are you afraid of the dark has kind of some ups and downs altogether, especially when you compare it to season two, where something like frozen ghost is kind of bottom of the barrel. Um, I think I'm I think I may give it an average as well like a, 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 what is it, a splat bridge
0: Splatbridge. splat bridge mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I may give it a C for a splat bridge as well I don't know if I said did I say that that's what Brett gave it I, I know I read his his thing no I just said his alliteration but Brett also did give it a, a C a splat bridge uh, for clarification for those of you listening uh Bryce what is your review my friend
1: um, I you know, I have similar thoughts to Cortland. Um, one thing I don't think Are You Afraid of the Dark gets enough credit for is how the series from beginning to end kind of grows with this with his viewers. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't really remember this episode is by the time this episode came out we were older. We weren't seven years old anymore. We were heading into middle school and when you get to that age you're dealing with more mature themes, and what resonates about this episode is it does deal with some heavier issues that season one really wasn't dealing with um and for that i really appreciate it um i do think it's a um kind of an underdog of an episode and i will say as much as the frozen ghost is kind of an iconic image um seeing that guy with the burnt face that's that was pretty terrifying to see um you know and i'm surprised they were able to get that past like the censors uh for it to be a a kids um tv show so i'm actually going to give this a splash factory a b
0: all right and the, that is actually what I was going to give it. A Splattus factory. a B. I really do like this episode. I changed my answer.
2: <laughs> i to be with the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I like it. Uh, I, I like the characters. I really like the ghost. I really, really like the ghost. Uh, the... There, there is a lot of uh, convoluted things about it, but I don't know. It's fire and it's a ghost and you don't see those two things together. And that makes a really interesting dynamic to me. And I do like the, the brother and sister in this episode. It's not great by any means, but I'm not bored. And I really like Jake. Jake was just exuded cool in this episode. I really liked him. And, um, uh, and I liked the the Fire Ghost. I mean I I, I like it. That's I, I liked everything about this episode. And um, it's it's not one that I'm gonna instantly like Cortland said earlier, I'm not gonna instantly tell people who are getting into Are You Afraid of the Dark for the first Oh, you gotta check out Fire Ghost. But mm-hmm. I think it's a nice B level story to enjoy after you've gone through some of the big tier stuff. Uh, it's it's good. It's likeable, it's highly underrated uh give it a shot with new fresh eyes and see if you like it any better than you have before but with that being said we are going to segue into our wild card segment which should only take a few minutes this is going to be a lot of fun we usually like to do these so let me get my deck of cards this is time for wild card All right, Cortland and Bryce. This is an all new segment for the two of you. Well, completely new for Bryce. Uh, What we've got here is I have a a deck of cards here. Spades, diamonds, clubs, hearts, and joker. You will each pick a card and we are going to reveal uh, another Are You Afraid of the Dark villain. And you are going to compare this villain To the Fire Ghost and Frozen Ghost, and see how they stack up. Which one is worse? Are they tied? What is your opinion on the two? Uh, So we will start with we'll start with Bryce. Uh, Give me your pick. Pick a card: Spades, Diamonds, Clubs, Hearts, Joker.
1: Um, let's go Hearts.
0: Hearts. You have the Water Demons from the Tale of the Water Demons. Uh, so, another another element. Uh, how does the Water Demon stack up against Fire Ghost and Frozen Ghost?
1: Terrifying. Um, for starters, it's a lot of them. You can't sleep. It, 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 they're coming after you the moment you get into REM sleep. It's horrible. They're wet. They're dead and wet. And... At least with the fire ghost, the fire ghost wasn't touching you, or the frozen ghost didn't touch anyone. And when those water demons grab you, they're going to leave like their dead fingerprints all over you. Terrifying. I, uh, yeah. So of
0: of these three, the water demons is the one that gets you the most. Yes. yes. All right. Cortland.
2: (laughs) They're so wet.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, we talked about being in heat earlier.
2: I gotta go bet, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, obviously, you 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 can't. Which one do we just do? Hearts. Uh, yeah. So you have spades, diamonds, clubs, and Joker. I will do club. Clubs. We have the ghost pilot from the tale of the room
1: for rent. That's oh. oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not him. <laughs> one who looks like John Boy Walton.
2: <laughs> okay if i had to rate an episode lower
1: (laughs) than frozen (laughs) ghost roofer rat
2: (laughs) would be lower than frozen ghost
1: it's a Uh, love story the grandpa and the lady down the street got together (laughs) i love the
2: part where he's cooking like a pot of beans or something and that that ghost is over there trying to like seduce him or whatever (laughs) um (laughs) Now, granted, I have not seen The Tale of the Room for Rent since I covered it on the podcast, which was like three or four years ago. So I have recency bias for (laughs) for Fire Ghost and Frozen Ghost. I like them both better than the pilot from um, that really boring episode. (laughs) Like, I think that that episode was... uh, it was a whoops a little bit because the, the story involved in it was just so much more than like a kid would even care about it is on that like tier of uh, the long ago locket of like i don't know if it was just me but like as a kid i couldn't care less about old people and love or or like uh, uh, the revolutionary war or whatever That was just like
1: next I-, I was sitting there flipping the channel when that one came on so, what you're saying is, you do not want to become roommates with the guy you accidentally murdered 50 years ago. <laughs> I mean, do you remember that way he was like waving and being
2: all sensual with him, though? I mean, that'd be kind of nice to have. Like, you always got a buddy, but nah. He's like very invasive of pri- everybody's privacy. <laughs> sitting there
1: zooping through walls and everything I'm like nah I don't need that in my life I've always wondered with that episode and I know this is so off topic what was he doing the last 50 years like he literally I'm like if this guy is like super old now you have plenty of time to like approach him about this beef you have with him
2: i think it was because he got summoned by gary's grandma. that's that's
1: why <laughs> right. she was performing that ritual that's right i forgot he yeah, was miss simpson
2: i don't know not a kid's appropriate ritual my opinion but whatever <laughs> it was a thing that happened
0: all right and for mine i am going to pick spades ah and for spades we have the lonely ghost <gasps> from uh-huh. the tale of the lonely ghost uh that was um that was the one that was in the mirror right
2: yeah
0: yeah that one i did see that one when i was a kid i did not see frozen ghost uh outside of the commercials uh and i did not see fire ghost because i was terrified but it was one of those rare instances when i was going i'll be brave i'll be brave and i'll watch this one and i saw the lonely ghost and i quickly changed the channel and it took me (laughs) forever to go to sleep uh I would say of these three, the lonely ghost as a child would have been the one that scared me the most. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been scared of the kid uh, and the fire, uh, fire ghost, uh, it's fire, dude, it's fire. Uh, whereas an adult, I think I would still be more afraid of the fire ghost. Mm-hmm. But that is going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you both so much for being here. Uh, but we, before we officially close the episode out, we have to have our closing question for all of you slimesters. Who's your favorite ghost of this episode that we talked about this evening and why? Would you like to see them go against another 90s Nickelodeon ghost? You can write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or any of our various socials at splatattackpodcast. If you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do Splat Attack Podcast, and please interact with us wherever you can find us on social media. I promise we don't bite too bad. <laughs> uh, with, with that being said once again thank you both so much Bryce and Cortland for being here and being part of this episode it has been a, it has, it's been a blast to have you both thank you so much thank you Yeah, uh, my pleasure I had a lot of fun tonight
1: <laughs> I did too well
0: until next time I guess I'll get to scraping the slime off of this wall I've got to invite the frozen ghost inside for some milk and cookies before he gets us a cold
2: we'll make sure the heater isn't too hot in the living room or else he could melt away
1: I'm sure my buddy, the Fire Ghost, will keep the flames under control. Isn't that right, Blamey?
0: I know. I know. I know.
2: He doesn't really seem like a trustworthy type of guy. <laughs>
0: Everything's on fire.
2: Everything's on fire.
0: Everything. Uh, call, call the fire dogs quick. Spot you later, slimesters. Hopefully, we can douse this fire before everything goes up in smoke.
2: Bye, you guys. Oh, Bye. I oh, know.
0: Pick up a copy of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ghostly Tales and put a little terror on your tomb with two unforgettably ghostly tales. First, it's the tale of the shiny red bicycle. A chilling story about a teenager who must confront his own tragic past. And you'll also get the tale of the frozen ghost featuring Melissa Joan Hart as a babysitter who joins a young boy in uncovering a spooky secret. Each
1: story comes with a ghostly guarantee to send a chill up even the most fearless spine.